Hey there, I ain't see you there. Welcome back to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, my podcast, Upload Past Crossroads, wherever you're streaming from. I'm streaming from a lot of places. My Facebook page, Sean Christopher Jenkins, LinkedIn page, Sean Christopher Jenkins, all those pages. And if you're watching the playback on Justin's YouTube channel, Chaplin's Logs, make sure to subscribe to all those places and befriend us on our platforms and everything like that. But anyways, welcome back. We got a treat for you today. All right, so me and me and Justin have been doing countless videos, countless Bible studies, countless messages on the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1 so far. So if you want to see all those videos and listen to all those Sunday school lessons and messages and stuff, go to this, you go to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads and check out this playlist. So anyways, we got a treat for you right now. All right. So all we're going to essentially be doing for this video is doing a recap of everything we learned in Nehemiah chapter one. So I got two questions going to ask me and Justin, and we're going to really describe and just give a summary about what you should be expecting for Nehemiah chapter one, you know, give a recap of what we learned from Nehemiah chapter one and just share all those revelations and gems that, you know, meant, meant the most to us with this, uh, with the Sunday school lessons and Bible studies and stuff we've been doing with Nehemiah chapter one. All right. So my first question I'm going to have me and Justin tackle is this, you know, so, and you can, you guys can participate as well, right down in the comment section, what you think the answer is to these questions. How do you feel, right? Based on our studies and everything like that, or what you know from the book of Nehemiah chapter one. All right. So the first question is, how do you become more intimate with God to be able to pray something like Nehemiah prayed in Nehemiah chapter one, right? So I'm gonna ask it again. How do you become more intimate with God? So how do you build your relationship with him, build more trust in him, you know, build more faith in him, right? In order to be able to pray something with confidence like Nehemiah did, right? So just, I'm gonna let you tackle that first, man. All right, so I actually got two two main answers for this one. First one's more of a practical one. Um, and that's just like study the word, like dive into God's word. Like it's very evident from Nehemiah's prayer that he knew the word very well. He was uh, quoting promises in scripture to God in his prayers. So I feel like a knowledge of God allows us to understand God, to understand his character more and draw closer to him. Um, so during our prayers, we can be more in the mindset of like who God is and like how he connects with us. So just straight up answer is like dive into the word, like study the word, study God's character and figure out like, who he is to you what kind of relationship are you looking for that's some good stuff man yeah i was gonna say after i write down this real quick so i can see the question while i answer it all right so how do you become more intimate with god to praise be to be able to pray something like nehemiah prayed like nehemiah just like what justin said man nehemiah he was he didn't make up his own image of god and then approach God based on what he think God should be. And how many people do that? Like, <laughs> like he didn't uh he didn't make God's character into something that he's not. He knew that God was a just guy, he knew that God was a fair guy, he knew that God was a merciful guy, he knew that God was a gracious guy, he knew that God was a forgiving guy, which most people would agree with, but he also knew God was a God of vengeance, a God of justice, a God punishes sin. And he acknowledged all those things in his prayer in Nehemiah chapter one. So, yeah, man. So he approached God the right way, accepting his word and all that's in his word. And I wish I could show you guys some Instagram posts 
but it's okay. You guys know y'all probably seen it before or seen and heard stuff like this before. But a lot of people cherry pick the Bible. A lot of people um they pick and choose things that they want to believe about God and things that they don't want to believe about God, or just pick and choose passages and like Old Testament or New Testament, they just pick what they want to believe instead of accepting the whole Bible as truth. And Nehemiah is not one of those type of people. So it's, you're not going to be receive God's blessings. You're not going to have a great relationship with God. You're not going to be know how to pray to him, and your prayers aren't going to be answered if you don't accept his word and everything that's in his word the way that Nehemiah did, right? And this is just Nehemiah chapter 1. We haven't even gotten anywhere, right? So Nehemiah, because he accepted God's word for everything that it is, he could remind God of everything that he promised and everything that he said in his word, right? And so that's so powerful to do because, man, like <laughs> he has so many promises in his word and he's willing to bless us and do things for us and show his favor, show his mercy upon us if we just ask him, right? So, yeah, and God yearns to be close to us. Like Nehemiah's in a situation where, you know, all of Israel and all of God's people are scattered and in a situation that they didn't want to be in in a situation that's way different and way far from their ancestors got to experience with God. And now Nehemiah is like, man, God, you know, you could bring us closer to you. You promised that you wanted us close to you. So, you know, just forgive us. Like you promised and bring us back to the land. So like, man, like that's so powerful. So like, that's the first point. Like we got to, you know, accept God's word for what it is to be able to pray the way that Nehemiah did. Second thing is we got to be able to, know that we're sinners that we're not perfect right we need to know that we need a savior and we need somebody to save us and god is willing to save us and help us if we know that we have a need for him and we depend on him and rely on him like that so nehemiah he confessed his sins and he confessed the nation's sins he could have just blamed all of israel for their sin just like so many of us do you know we blame adam and eve for their downfall and why humanity sucks you know like <laughs> And that's the wrong yeah. approach again. So you're going to miss out on seeing God's blessing and, and God at work and what he's trying to do now in, in such a time as this. You're not going to approach him right in prayer if you don't see yourself as a sinner just like Adam and Eve. Because at the end of the day, we all would have been fooled too, just like both of them too, and would have did the same thing they did. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'll just leave it at that, man. That's the first thing I want to say, man. Yeah, and I'll actually piggyback on that a little bit, too. Um, mm -hmm. I'll save my second point for later. But to that note, a big part is just being able to humble yourselves. Like, don't, like, uh, we talked about this in the our last lesson as well. Like, don't make excuses for your sins. Like, you have to own up for it. Like, a big part of being able to pray for Nehemiah is, humbling yourself and owning up to your sins. Like he didn't try to say, oh, well, it was the Israelites, but no, he, he took responsibility. He had a very raw prayer. And I like, I, I always like hearing that if you need to have like a raw prayer, like raw and real, you have to go to God with your real self. Like he, you can't transform your, you can't transform your inner self. If you're presenting your fake self, you have to come to him with, um, your very real desires with your very real flaws. And a big part of confession is actually confessing your actual sins. You can't make up what you think is good. You can't make up who you think God is. God is God. God is good. God is the highest standard that we have. So we can't be saying, oh, well, it's all right if we have this little sin. It's like 
the it's like the splinter that Sean was talking about last time. Once you have like a tiny splinter, your whole body's gonna let you know that you have that little splinter. So like come to God real. Come to God with your with everything you need to lay out. You know, Justin, one question I had, actually we're covering it right now, but I just want to ask you just in case you had anything to add to. I didn't tell you this question, by the way, but it's the same thing we're talking about right now. I asked, uh, what can we learn from the book of Nehemiah right now? So, Or the book of Nehemiah chapter one, like what things can you learn from it? That's the question I wrote down. And then another question was, what are things that Nehemiah prays about? So we we actually been covering that. Oh, actually, what you learned from Nehemiah actually goes into my last point um, on how can you pray like Nehemiah. And I was actually reading a study from Tony Evans, um, uh, just a great evangelist. He was talking about relinquishing your self-preservation. And like that's, I feel like that's so hard to do because like, instinctually biologically we're made to like want to live to to take control of our lives to avoid dangers to do whatever we can to continue our lives to continue our way of living but tony evans was saying like when we relinquish our self-preservation we have to give that to god and i think that's very difficult to do i think that's like a very important lesson from nehemiah as well is how do we surrender to God? A big part of that is surrendering your self-preservation, but also surrendering your will. Like I, everything we have, like we think that we've earned it or we got it because we fought for it or worked for it. But honestly, like a lot of it's, a lot of it's by chance or a lot of it is because God has put us in a good situation where we could earn it in the first place. Like the only thing that we have that we truly have that we can't lose is our will. So to be, to be able to surrender that, to be able to surrender others, our bodies as living sacrifices is in my opinion, the only thing that we can truly give to God, something that, that the only gift to God that we can give back because God doesn't want us to be robots or automatons. He gave us free will. So to be able to give that back to want his will ours is the ultimate sacrifice. And I think that's something that we learned from Nehemiah that we learned from his prayers. Yeah. Man, you kill it. Like I was out. That's where I wanted to go out on the video. Like one thing, I think we were hitting that a lot in our last video, but we didn't like say it out front was like, mm -hmm. uh, it's a few things, you know, how in the Bible it says our works won't save us. You know, our works aren't enough. Paul even mentions like when it comes to works and my accomplishments and what I, my success and everything like that, you know, my deity, whatever you want to call it, like things that make me look like a Christian, like those works are filthy rubbish. Like, you know, what really matters at the end of the day, right? Your relationship with Christ. So like works won't save, you know, God's power. It, yeah. in saying that, you know, it's also essentially saying, you know, God's power is not mine. God's strength is not mine. Right. So the book mm -hmm. of Nehemiah is just Nehemiah chapter one. What we've been talking about is talking about how Nehemiah approached God as if like he wasn't enough. 
right? Like, you know, just because I'm saved, you know, and I know God, like, I'm not good. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I still need God. I still need his help. Like, he was humble in that sense, right? So it doesn't matter if he, you know, you know, preached in the church or anything like that, all these works. Like, so one of my main points is, uh, I'm going to say the point and then break it down. Uh, a point I wanted to share was we will only be rebuilt if we don't look to our own efforts, our own repentance, our own grief, but only to Jesus. Let's continue to grieve, persevere in prayer, repent, ask, and do it with our eyes fixed on Jesus because Jesus is our only hope. And I think that's what Nehemiah 1 is pointing to. Like, it, Nehemiah, the whole book of Nehemiah is about something needs to be rebuilt. Like, how many things need to be rebuilt, restored, need to be built out, or something like that in our lives? Like, God is at work, and he wants to do something big and grand and spectacular in all of our lives. But it's going to take a rebuilding process. It's going to take a building process, just like in the book of Nehemiah, like the the uh, walls and the gates of Jerusalem, God city, God city, guys, need to be rebuilt. It was it was burnt. It was in ruins. The whole city was in ruins, and that needed to be fixed. So how many of our lives are the same way? They need to be rebuilt. But Nehemiah couldn't do this whole thing, this whole project, by himself. Now, the whole cities, if you if you rebuild the walls around the city of Israel, uh, Jerusalem, it's a it's about a mile and a half or a mile, maybe even two miles. But that's a lot. That's, that's a lot of work if you're trying to rebuild a wall and gates, guys, gates too, by yourself. Right. That's that's basically like being like Noah and you take 120 years to build a build an ark. Like it's probably worse than that, you know. So <laughs> like this work ain't easy. It takes it takes all of us, but mm-hmm. it's not accomplished through, you know, our own effort, you know, our own repentance, our own goodness, our own grief. Like it's only accomplished through Jesus, right? And so that's the biggest thing I want everybody to learn from like Nehemiah chapter one in a, a, a Bible verse relates to that. Unless Justin, you had something, then I won't read it. But did you have something else you wanted to add to that? Uh, no, not nothing to add to that. Okay, so in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, I'd be hitting at this all the time on my YouTube channel, but I have yet to do a sermon on it. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It reads, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So there's so many yeah. believers of all time that have shown us the way to Jesus. There's so many people in the Bible that show us how to have a great relationship with God like Nehemiah and how to approach God and great saints that accomplished great wonders and did great feats because of God's power enabled them to do that. And God made a way for them to do that. You guys see where I'm going at. This is the same thing for Nehemiah. He's a great cloud of witness for us to show us how good God is and what he can do through us if we just obey him, if we just humble ourselves and see ourselves the way that we should. All right, you guys get it. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter and author of our faith. <laughs> for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, think about him, ponder him, meditate on him, like spend time with him, abide in him, right? Who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you're looking to him, he can be your strength. If you're looking to him for your hope, he can be the greatest hope you ever have in this lifetime. It can get you through anything because he is your hope. Not your marriage, not your children, not the things that disappoint you in this life. God is Jesus is your hope, right? So that you won't lose heart, right? 
in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. So you didn't ever, none of us have struggled like Jesus did or ever will. Nobody will ever struggle to the amount of pain and suffering and hardship. You guys get it. Nobody will ever struggle like Jesus did, right? But all of us get to experience a portion of what he did. And he showed us the way of how to endure these, this suffering because everybody's in a race, right? Let us run with perseverance the right the race marked out for us. Everybody is in a race. And I did track. Everybody in track have different abilities, different talents, and their bodies are different. So not everybody in track can do the same event and be great at it, right? Now everybody in this world can't run track, right? So like, but even with yeah. track, a track team, like I was only good at the high jump, right? That's the only event I was good at. Every other event, like, you know, okay, Sean. But like high jump, like nobody could take me. Like only, only if you were like basically touch, if you could touch the top of the backboard. Like I mean, like put a penny on the top of the backboard on the, in the on the basketball goal. That's the people who can beat me in jumping. But everybody else, like no, nah, you don't stand a shot. So like, uh, that's just with that. Like not everybody can do the high jump, right? Not everybody can do the triple jump. Like if there's two events in track that nobody could just like do. And like, if you if you suck at it, you're gonna embarrass yourself. It's the triple jump, and the 400 meter hurdles. Like both of those two events are men events, like or dog events. Like if you don't jump far enough, you're not gonna make it to the sand. And, and I'm talking about in college, like because you guys, you can only you have to start as far as possible, take the very last board in order to get to the sand. So if you don't jump far enough and run fast enough, you're not gonna make it to the sand. So you're gonna embarrass yourself, right? You don't have the right technique. You're going to embarrass yourself, right? So don't do the event. Same thing for the 400-meter hurdles. Like, you got to have a dog in you because 400 meters suck enough. But to jump over a hurdle and have the technique, the whole run, to, like, keep your form and keep the same pace and be able to sprint, boy, those two events are something else. And I don't even put pole vault because I'm scared of heights. Like, I'm scared of a pole breaking on me, right? So I would never, ever try the pole vault. But you see what I'm saying? Like, there's different events and tracks, you know, the 100 meters. 200 meters, four by one, four by two, long jump, shot put. I didn't even mention shot put and discus. Like, there's so many events. The, the heckathlon, tecathlon, like stuff like that. Like, so everybody's running a different race in life. None of us are running the same race, right? So we need to run this race with perseverance. The only way to run this race with perseverance is fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? We can't do anything without him. Like, and in track, if you're running a race, you got to throw off everything that hinders you. You got to throw off everything that's going to weigh you down. You'll never see a track runner in the Olympics wear boots. Or you'll never see a track runner in the Olympics wear a coat. Like, they always wear the least amount of clothing as possible so they can get the most, so they don't have any resistance prohibiting them from running their best or jumping their best or throwing their best. They throw off everything that entangles and hinders them so that they can run effectively. The race that's set before him. You guys see where I'm going at? Like, <laughs> fixing our eyes on Jesus, man. Like, I was going to say something else uh, with that part. Oh, yeah. You can't run uh, looking around. Like, I don't know if you guys tried it before. Like, try running a race. Sure. Like, and I mean on a track that goes like this, right? Try running on a track, run racing eight or seven other people. And y'all doing 400 meters. Let's make it hard. 400 meters. And you're looking around everywhere while you run i guarantee you're gonna hit something i guarantee you're gonna run into your competition if you're fast enough <laughs> i guarantee you're gonna trip because you can't run sure. looking around 
You can only look, run looking straight, staying in your lane, focusing on Jesus, focusing on what God wants you to focus on. You can't worry about everybody else. So that's judging people, comparing yourself to people, all that stuff. Nehemiah ain't like that, right? Nehemiah ran the race that was ahead of him. His race was God purposed him and, and enabled him, gave him a calling, gave him all the resources he'll need to be able to help out is Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, right? So there was a race that was set out before him, before the foundations of the whole earth was created and everything like that, right? <laughs> there, and he had to fix his eyes on Jesus, fix his eyes on God to figure out what this purpose is. You guys see where I'm going at? <laughs> and even though he was weary and he lost heart that he had to go to the king, like the same king that rejected the first time they requested uh, of rebuilding the walls and the gates when Ezra was around 15 years ago. You know, 15 years before Nehemiah, right? He requested the same thing from King Artaxerxes, and he said no. So I'm pretty sure Nehemiah was discouraged that he would have to go to the king, right? And we'll see that in Nehemiah chapter 2. Like, this is not something, like, he was going to about. But there was a race that was set before him. And if he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he went, He went. even though he was weary and lost heart, what does the Bible say? Justin, it says, like, uh, do not grow tired and weary. You know, the Isaiah one. I gotta look it up because I don't know. I can't think of it right now. The Isaiah uh, one that says like like eagles, you'll fly like eagles. You're running that oh, parade, yeah, yeah, yeah. running that faint. That one, I forgot how it starts off. Uh, I'll just I'll look it up. <laughs> Did you have anything like yeah. that? I'll like, just soar, soar like yeah, soar like wings on eagle. Oh uh, yeah, I, I know the verse you're talking about, and it's a good verse because you've used it before. Right. Um. Just yeah, just to add on that like it's like having our a big part of anxiety i feel like nowadays um like i feel like it's very hard to, for us to pray because for prayer we have to be focused on god but like nowadays the source of anxiety is kind of focusing too much on ourselves or focusing too much on like what does the future hold are things going to go right like that's all very inward thinking unfortunately we have to have a very outward uh, way of thinking and just what you were saying you have to be able to focus on god for that the ability to pray properly just to like nehemiah did like that's an amazing thing about nehemiah is like he was so humble man um that's what that was my favorite part uh, from nehemiah is just his ability to pray for like everyone but himself like he was praying in order to lift up the Israelites. He was praying to lift up the holy people that were chosen for God. Like he he already had a probably a very cushy job in the temple or the um not temple, the the kingdom. But to be able to think about other people, I think allowed him to have the mindset of focusing on someone else. And like that's our best way to be focused on God or to have the same mindset of God is to be able to focus on someone else, to be able to love and cherish someone else. If that was a big part that I learned from Terry. I wish Terry was here because he, he would kill this lesson was um, he officiated my wedding and a big part of like the premarital counseling he has given us is like, we can't be focused on ourselves. We can't be, uh, put our spouse on a pedestal. We have to focus on God. Like both of us focus on God and that allows us to be closer together. So like just to reiterate what Sean was saying is like 
we have to focus on God, focus on the struggles and the sacrifices Jesus made. And that puts us, I think, closer to the position that Nehemiah was in. Yeah. Yeah. Were able to find the verse in Ezekiel or Isaiah? Yeah, I found the verse, but then you uh, went where I was going. You know, uh, what's your favorite part of the book of Nehemiah? So now you got me thinking about mine. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read the verse. And, you know, we move somewhere else. I'll, I'll do it. So I, I was talking about Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They're, they shall soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So if I was you guys, like, read some commentary and listen to some sermons just on Isaiah 40, verse 31, because that verse is so powerful. Like, it, way more than what you read and what you think initially. It's way more in, way more deeper. And you're basically just reading the, you're seeing the ocean. When the ocean's deep, guys, imagine how deep the ocean is. Like, that's that verse right there. So, like, th for those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Like, Nehemiah, man, he's about to ask the king for something impossible. So, like, what was my favorite part in the book of Nehemiah, like, chapter one in our studies? is that part, right? Nehemiah is about to ask the king for something crazy. Like, the king already said no to what he's about to ask him for, right? Which is going to help the children of Israel. Like, this is a Persian king. He doesn't give a hill of beans about the Israelites. Like, mm -hmm. really, they mean nothing to him. He's a Persian, and they worship many pagan gods. Like, the Jehovah Gyro, Jehovah Nisi, the one god of Israel. Who is that? Like, y'all lost. Y'all have, look at your city. Look at it. Like, compared to our kingdom. Like, you want to go rebuild that city for that guy? He's dead. Like, that's what, they, that's what he was thinking. Like, some of the thoughts that he had, right? So, um, yeah, like, what is my favorite part in the book of Nehemiah, man? Here goes one of my points. You know, Nehemiah and his followers do what seems to be the impossible because they are doing what God has called them to do, right? Like, my favorite part is just that whole impossible situation. Like, all of us are in impossible situations. We're in situations that seem hopeless. You know, some people are in desperate situations. Some people are in the worst situation ever. Some people are in very dark and bleak circumstances. I can keep on going. And it looks like you can never get out of it. But Nehemiah trusted that God would keep his promise to protect his people and give them a home. Like literally, Nehemiah held God to his promises, even though his promises didn't look like it could happen. I just did a video on my YouTube channel. It's hilarious, Justin. I shared uh, to everybody on my very last video on my YouTube channel, I shared that uh, a promise that God gave me specifically. When he told, and I never told you, Justin, like on the day I got saved on Saturday, September 4, 2010, God told me that, you know, when I speak like ocean, it's going to be like the ocean waters, the ocean waves. He said it's going to be that effective. Like how much can water do? Well, what can an ocean wave do? Like tsunamis happen from ocean waves. Hur hurricanes happen from ocean waves. Like if you ever been on a boat in the ocean, guys, like what is, how strong is the wave on the boat, right? It moves you back and forth. And God promised, like, Sean, when you speak, it's going to be that effective. It's going to move hearts. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mend hearts. It's going to do what I set out for it to do if you just speak my word and speak on my behalf. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Like, sometimes, like, sometimes I get two views. I, I get nobody watching. Like, sometimes I post something and nobody pays attention. Like, I get 50 uh -huh. likes for something that should have been a billion. Like, you know, some good stuff, some good gems. Like. But, like, it seems impossible, like, that that could happen, right? Sometimes it feels like it's yeah. not happening. But God promised it. 
So if God said it, he will do it, right? So what do I look like doubting it, right? And so Nehemiah, that's just my favorite part of the book of Nehemiah chapter one, is like another point I had was God can make the course of princes to be friends and patrons, uh, patrons with the church's costs, right? Like this Persian king is about to help out essentially the Israelites. Like he has no reason and doesn't benefit from it at all. Like only the children of Israel benefit from this. The Persians do not, right? If anything, it probably is going to hurt them. It could hurt them, right? So, yeah, man. So it just brought up so many verses that I cherished and I've known for years, like Proverbs 16, 7, you know, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies be at peace with him. Like the Persians are an enemy to the children of God, like to the Israelites at this time period. They're captives to the Persians. Like, but yet Nehemiah is in the king's palace. Like I said in Nehemiah chapter one, verse one, he's in the palace of Shusha, the winter palace with King Artaxerxes. That's a cupbearer. Like it says in verse eleven, like <laughs> he's a friend to the to the king, right? And the king's about to help the church's costs, right? The children of Israel's costs, God's children's costs to rebuild the walls and help the city not be in ruins no more and help the people not live in fear and be embarrassed of their situation that they're in. I keep on going, guys. Like another verse is Proverbs chapter three, verse four. It says, so shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Like when you are doing what God called you to do and you're, and you're obeying his word, living by his word you hold god to his promises and all those things and you put all your faith and all your eggs into into god's basket of trusting in his promises and what he says in his word man you'll find favor because you're going to see good understanding and favor in his word and so in the sight of god and man right people are going to be at peace with you like so like i accept promises like that right because nehemiah like, he should really be an enemy to the Persian king, but he's not. Like, he's not seen as an enemy. He's seen as a friend. So, yeah, man, like, one of my takeaways, like, what can we learn from the book of Nehemiah? That's another question I had. I think I asked that earlier. So one of the most powerful messages of Nehemiah is how how much you can accomplish when you align yourself with the will and the plan of God. So I just pray that happens in my life. I pray that happens in Justin's life and Terry's life and anybody who's watching this video's life. Like, I pray that God does great things in all of us to like really expand the kingdom and change people's lives for the better and, and just help, you know, you guys get what I'm saying. Just experience heaven here on earth, man. Like, that's my favorite part of the book of Nehemiah, man. Like, I got a few other stuff, Justin, but you can go ahead, man. Man, no, that's well said. Yeah, and like I said, like, um, the pray I'm I'm just gonna elaborate more on like what my favorite part is since that's where we are. Of course, like I said, like his prayer is my favorite part, but I just like the parallels. And I feel like I've said this during every video, but it's just uncanny. The, his prayer parallels Jesus's prayer so well, and the beginning just praises God. Like that's what I like is he's trying to rebuild, like build a relationship with god first like man we don't we don't like ask people we don't know like for favors or people we're not friends with for stuff like we we go to like we build a relationship where we're friends with people first before we start asking for favors and that's the same with god like we don't just go to him like a genie but we like praise him like we see him for the 
just merciful king that he is before we start asking for things. And that's what Nehemiah and Jesus both did in their prayers. They praised God. They said, hallowed be your name. And they humbled themselves, which is a big part. Like we confess our sins. We acknowledge what we did wrong because that's a, that's a part of like, that's a part of any recovery. Like that, that's not just enough, but we are like spiritually sick. Like we're very sinful creatures. Our bodies are not the, the creations that they were made to be. Um, we've been corrupted and polluted by sin. And like, if you go to Alcoholics Anonymous or any uh, rehab, like the first thing they have you do, like the first rule is to acknowledge that you have a problem. And like, there is no healing. There's no correcting your relationship until there's an acknowledgement of that problem. Like if you, if you get in a fight with somebody, you, you have to acknowledge like an apology is needed somewhere. Um, so that's, that's just a big part, big part, a continuation of my favorite part um, of Nehemiah's prayer is just like how it acknowledges what Jesus, the son of God prayed in his uh, Lord's prayer. And like how we need to build God up and humble ourselves down. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, that's just so much to take away. I want to really hone in on this too, because we never really like we hit it again on all of our videos. But like I wanna I wanna hone in on it for this video. So the book of Nehemiah in general is a book on renewal, like how to be restored in right relationship with God. Like that's what it's pointing to. So it's really a topology, like. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Like, so the book of Nehemiah, it shows us a type of Christ, a better Nehemiah, yeah. right? It shows us Jesus. Like, and how does it do that? So it shows that someone's in a royal palace. In verse one, it says that, you know, I'm Nehemiah. I'm in the uh, Sushan, the palace with the king, the, our, King Artaxerxes, that he's been ruling for 20, 20 years now, like something like that. So, like, he, Nehemiah got it good. He's a cupbearer to the king in the mm. palace. So he's not struggling and starving like everybody else, especially all the rest of God's children. Who knows what they're doing? They're all scattered. Maybe some of them are slaves still. I don't know. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're slaves, but because they were probably slaves with the Babylonians, but not with the Persians. But I don't know. But you guys get what I'm saying, man. Like Nehemiah, compared to everybody else's situation, he lives in a, he's living in luxury. So he's in a palace just like Jesus. Like someone... He was, uh, it was someone who was far away and could have been entirely happy with just living their lives, you know, in Persia, right? Or in heaven. That's Jesus. Like, <laughs> like you know, like Nehemiah is in Persia, just like Jesus was in heaven, right? In luxury, right? And, but then the eternal son of God wanted to become flesh and became Jesus, right? He moved into our sin. He moved into our mess. He moved into our brokenness so he could heal our hearts and rebuild us from the inside out like only jesus can do this like if you want to be rebuilt like alcohol anonymous to be free from porn addiction to you know have a breakthrough happening in your marriage is anything great like that anything grand anything impossible it's going to take jesus it's going to take the lord doing it on your behalf and through you and inside you because your blessing got to happen first inside before it can show up out on the outside that's what we see in the book of nehemiah man like nehemiah had the right heart like i want to say that again so like we all are broken so you know some of us are really broken right now some of us are really hurting 
Like we need to be restored. Our houses are in ruins. Our lives are in dismay. So that's something really physical, but also spiritual, right? That's what we've been seeing in the book of Nehemiah chapter one as well. Like, even though it's a physical problem, you know, the, the walls of Jerusalem need to re be, uh, be rebuilt and the gates are down, the walls are burned, like the city's in ruin. Like this is a physical problem, but it showed that they had a problem, a, a relationship problem with God, with their God. Because in the ancient time periods, they symbolized walls with the relationship with their God. So how the city thrived is how, you know, basically, essentially how your relationship is with your God and how powerful your God is. So it didn't glorify yeah. God for to have the city like this, right? So what do we learn from the book of Nehemiah chapter one? We'll only be rebuilt if we look to Jesus, just like Nehemiah. Like Nehemiah, no restoration would ever happen if Nehemiah didn't go to God for this. If he just would have tried to do it by himself. With his own efforts, yeah. with his own thinking, it would not have worked out. It literally said that he prayed for four months. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, compared to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, it's basically a duration of four months. Then when he got back to this, when he finally got to the city, I think in Nehemiah chapter 3, or at the end of Nehemiah chapter 2, I don't remember, but when he finally got to Jerusalem, so it's 800 to 1,000 miles from where he lived right, right then, in this passage that we see right now, uh, he took three days walking around the city to try to, you know, analyze and inspect what's going on to see what his approach was going to be before rebuilding the wall. So Nehemiah is a patient guy. He prays about everything. He prayed before he acted and did anything. He went to Jesus and asked God for help. So what are some of my points? You know, there's no amount of human effort, human renewal, human will, human commitment that we can do to, to make a breakthrough happen or a miracle happen. We must be changed from the inside out. Right. And only Jesus can do that. God must intervene on our behalf. So that's what I get from Nehemiah mm. chapter one. Something else I get is, you know, unless Justin, just stop me if you want to say something. Uh, something else I get. Something else I get is, you know, renewal is hard. Right. So here goes one of my points. Yeah. You know, for God to renew us, we must see the need for renewal and we we uh, we must want to see the need for renewal. Right. So God designs yeah. ways to share his burden with us to show us what he sees. Nehemiah saw a problem because God saw the problem, right? Nehemiah had a heart after God, just like it says about David in the book of Psalms. Like David was a man after God's own heart, right? So God designs ways, ways to show his burden with us, right? And he only does that when we want us, when we want renewal, when we want restoration, when we're humble and all that stuff, guys. You guys get it. So yeah. the work of renewal is hard and difficult. Like this is not an easy task that Nehemiah wants to do right? He's going to face opposition. We face oppositions and resistance anytime we try to rebuild something and try to make our lives better and just implement and do things that God wants us to do, right? So we want to be renewed, but it, it takes work. You know, it's it's difficult and hard. It isn't easy. It's uncomfortable. It's unfamiliar. All those things. It's brutal. It's not joyful. It's not fun or blissful. Like sometimes it's not even peaceful, right? You're going to face opponents even doing the right thing, right? So the journey, but the journey is beautiful, right? So even though renewal is hard, it can be beneficial. It, it goes deep. It's everlasting. It's worth. It's so everlasting, and it's gonna last forever. That it leads to things that are worthwhile, right? Because good things take time, right? And the longer things take to happen, the better they're gonna be, right? So thereby, I mean, therefore, they're worth it, right? So my last question I want to ask everybody is: What does God want to renew and restore in your life? So what does God want to rebuild, restore, and build up and renew in your life?
And what has God been trying to renew or build in your life, but you refuse to do the work for it and continue to fight against him for it to happen in your life? That's some stuff. Like, I know it's some things. Like, because it's one thing for me. I know exactly. So I'm going to ask it again. What does God want to renew, restore, rebuild, or build up in your life? And what has God been trying to renew or build in your life, but you refuse to work for and continue to fight for in your life? Right? So, yeah, we serve a, a gracious and merciful and forgiving God. That's one another thing that I learned from Nehemiah chapter 1. So, when we trust in Jesus, we have a home in heaven forever, right? So meaning if you come to Jesus, he will accept you as his own. All you got to do is come to him. So Nehemiah came to God, even though the Israelites really weren't in good standing with God <laughs> and their relationship was awful with God because the city showed that, right? But Nehemiah had the audacity to come as he was to seek forgiveness so that all of Israel could be restored. So are you going to do the same thing for yourself or for your family or for your church, right? <laughs> you guys see what I'm saying? It's a community, right? So, yeah, man, that's what I learned from Nehemiah chapter one, man. All right, I'm, I'm good, Justin. You had anything else, man? Man, just that uh, last question you had, like something I want to renew in my life, and I just realized it connects to Nehemiah, is like uh, trying to do like more volunteer opportunities or more opportunities to, reach out to people or to help people like focus less on me, try to focus more on people. So yeah, I, I, I like that question. I really implore everyone to like ask them, ask ourselves like, what is God trying to renew in me? Like that's a great way to start the new year. Actually. It's like, what, what's something God wants to change me from the inside out? Yeah. Man, what a lesson, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, guys. That's it. Justin, if you are you done? You, you yeah, I'm good. Yeah, this was a great way to wrap up Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1. Right. Now we just got chapter 2 next. Right. And all the way to, I think it's 16 chapters or something. But. <laughs> I don't think it's 16 years, man. Right. Right. I'll speed it up, though, man. It's on me, guys. It takes yeah. a long because of me. But anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in to Upload Past Crossroads and the Chaplain Logs. You guys know the drill, man. Make sure... All the social media pages I'm about to tell you about, make sure to go support them. Like everything that we post, comment, turn on the post notifications so you know when we upload something else. So here goes Justin's YouTube channel. It's Chaplain's Log. So make sure to subscribe to this channel, watch all the videos, like all the videos, comment on all the videos. Because if you don't do those things, our channels won't grow. We won't be blessed, man. Share our content as well to other people that you think is going to benefit. And turn on the post notifications so you know when he uploads another video. Same thing with my YouTube channel upload past crossroads man like and also on my youtube channel upload past crossroads um if you want to learn more about the book of nehemiah again nehemiah chapter one you could check out this playlist on this channel and you can hear all the messages that me and justin did on that also just in general when we finish all the book of nehemiah but we got a lot of stuff on the book of nehemiah already so if you check out this playlist you can learn everything about the book of nehemiah here and then also, um, here goes Justin's Facebook page. So be friend of mine here. If you have any questions, you want us to do a video on something, just DM him and ask him, and we'll do a video on it. And then also, uh, let me go to my social media pages, and then we'll close out. Yeah, here go the rest of my social media pages. So, yeah, I, I feel like I have the best social media pages ever. My Twitter, Instagram, yeah. uh, and I have two Instagram pages, Trouble Don't Last and My Underscore Day Underscore Bible. So go to those pages, man, and.
like everything, share everything. I'm telling you, it's gonna bless your soul if you're a Christian, man. Like nobody posts like I do. Like so, and I'm pretty sure Justin will say the same thing about himself. But anyways, that's the video, guys. So, pretty you guys were blessed by the Book of Nehemiah chapter one. Now we're moving on to chapter two. All right. So, you got any last words, Justin? Or are you good? No, I'm good. Y'all stay blessed. All right, man. You guys have a blessed one. We'll see you again soon, Lord willing. I pray in Jesus' name that everybody uh, conquers all the demons and all the obstacles that they're facing, and they receive the victory that Jesus died for because we're called to be more than conquerors and overcomers. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Peace out, guys.